Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Go ahead and flip your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we'll be this morning. It's a long passage, and I got a lot to say, y'all. Pray for me uh, this morning because I've been away for like six weeks, so I need y'all grace this morning as I'm preaching. I might go way too long. No, I'm just playing, but it's going to be good. (laughs) God has been doing a lot through this series. Has this series been good for you? It's been good for me to my soul as I've been studying and walking uh, through this. And, and I pray that he does the same thing this morning. Jesus reigns supreme. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19. If you got it and you're able, go ahead and stand to your feet now as we read the word of God together. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. If you're at home, it's on the screen. If you don't have that, pull out your phone and... Read along with us. Keep it open as we'll walk through it all today. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Hear now the reading of God's word. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, everybody say confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who has said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But I love this. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves, here it is, had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, 
And the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But listen to this. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Very word of God. I know we have a lot of verses, but there's simply one message I want to get across to you today. And that is this. Have confidence. Have confidence. Turn to your neighbor and say, have confidence. Go ahead. I'm back. I told you we're going to talk up in here. Turn the other way and say, have confidence. Have confidence. Have confidence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness, God. I do pray right now, Lord, as I speak, that it wouldn't be me speaking, but that it would be you, that you would hide me behind your cross. And as I always say, decrease me so that you may increase the words of my mouth and the meditation be of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For you are my Lord and my Redeemer. Have your way, Jesus. Get glory. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said today. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, confidence, it will force you to live and work and walk in a different way. Isn't that right, Jay? You ever seen somebody walk into a place and they're just oozing with confidence? Just oozing with confidence. It's, it's attractive, right? And I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence. See, true confidence, it it comes from more than just your abilities. It's not just in your looks. See, true confidence is installed in an unwavering way when you can look to someone who has gone before you and done exactly what you're trying to do, and now they're with you and for you. It's kind of like a parent or a good friend that's kind of pushing you to be the best you can be. They're kind of behind you. They're the wind beneath your sail. See, true confidence is when you can can walk in the knowledge of truth. True confidence is when you know you can do something without the shadow of a doubt. Uh, True story, my my oldest, Ramiah. I remember when she was learning to ride a bicycle without training wheels. And she would get on this bike and she would ride for a little while and then she would fall. She'd get back on the bike and she would ride straight a little bit and she'd try to go faster and then she'd fall again. And see, at five years old or so, she, she didn't have a whole bunch of confidence in riding a bike without training wheels yet. And so when she'd get on it, she'd ride and she'd fall. And I'd be like, girl, you got this. Come on, girl. Black girl magic. You know what I'm talking about. You better make it happen, Ramiah. And she's like, daddy, chill, chill, chill. No, she didn't say that. But she'd get on the bike and she, she'd start riding, y'all. And her, 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 her confidence would start wavering. And she'd fall. And see, all of this was true until we went to the park one day. 
Maya will ride her bike up there. I'm holding the back of her bike, and we get to the park, and all the kids are playing, and, and she was acting a little shy that day, and she put her bike down, and she came over to Kaylee and I, and, and she's having a conversation with us, and, and her bike is laying on the ground, and there's this little girl that's about the same age as Maya. They're about the same size, and, and the little girl is riding a bike that's much smaller than what she is. If you've seen Maya, she's kind of giant for her age, and, and the little girl's on the bike, and, and she's riding the bike. And then she looks out the corner of her eye and she spots Maya's bike. Now, you got to understand, Maya had that new hotness bike. It was, the, it was that uh, Hello Kitty. It was blacked out and pink with the white wall wheels. I mean, it was hot. And so the girl put her bike down and she like, oh, yes, I'm riding the new hotness. And she goes and gets on the bike, y'all, and she starts taking off on the bike. And I'm like, oh, looky here. What are we going to do with this? It, what's about to happen here? The little girl is the same age as Maya. And I look over at Maya. I'm like, do you see this? Look, she's riding the bike without any problem. And Ramaya at this moment, I've never seen this before. My little baby, she just kind of cocked her head like, and I'm like, oh, snap. It's about to go down. Is she about to whoop this girl? We about to have a fight up in Chicago. And, and y'all know Ramaya. She's too nice. That's not about to happen. So in, in Ramaya's way, her own way, she can. She just kind of mosey over, over there to the girl. And I don't know what she said, but something to the extent, can, can I have my bike back? The girl gives her her bike back. She jumps back on the little bike that she was riding, and she starts riding around. And watch this. Ramaya jumps on her bike. No shadow of doubt and just starts riding around. And I'm like, what just happened here? They became best friends, riding around the park, just circle after circle. I'm like, ain't you the same little girl that just fell off your bike coming over here? But see, what happened is, and, and yes, Maya, some of this is her competitive nature. But the other side of it is that what she needed was to see another little girl the same age as her do the same thing that she was trying to do to give her the confidence that she needed. Some of y'all missed your amen. I've been away too long here. Let me, let me say it again. See, Ramiah had to see somebody her age do exactly what she was trying to do in order to give her the confidence that she needed. You see what the writer is trying to get at in this text and what I'm trying to get across to you is that some of us, y'all, we've been walking through some hard times. We've been struggling through life right now and you may feel like you're in a place where you're by yourself and you're not going to make it and you can't do this anymore because, because it's all on your shoulders. And, and here's the reality, family. You don't have to have confidence just in yourself. No, no, no. When you read this text, the writer says that we have a great high priest, a mighty savior who has gone before us, who has done all the work so we can have confidence in Jesus. Have confidence. I got two points and I'm out your way today. Number one, how to walk in confidence. Number two, don't shrink Number one, how to walk in confidence. Number two, don't shrink back. Now, by way of reminder, we've been journeying through the book of Hebrews in a series that we've entitled Jesus Reigns Supreme. 
And the reason we've been doing this is because we're sitting in the pandem- pandemic and, and, and we need to be reminded that in the midst of this pandemic, although things around us are a bit chaotic, there is an unchangeable God who is on our side. But not only is he on our side, Jesus reigns supreme. See, Jesus wasn't just a man who came and walked the earth. No, he's God in the flesh. He's the one who created everything, as the Bible tells us in John chapter 1. He's the one who has the same power as we see with Noah where God destroys the earth through the flood. He has the same power to destroy, but yet at the same time, we know him as a mindful and a creative God to where he, together with the rest of the Trinity, God and the Holy Spirit, in Genesis chapter 1 would say, hey, let us make man in our image. And I I can picture it in my mind. They, they, They take their hands and put it in the dust of the ground and they pick it up and as it says in the bible they blow breath into the dust of the ground and man is formed they put us together very intricately and see many of you are experiencing uh, this amazing attribute of creation right now because you have what i like to call your stay at home order baby Y'all was locked up. They wouldn't let you out, and you had some fun in your boredom. Some of y'all will get that on your way home. We're going to have a whole lot of baby dedications up in here. As a matter of fact, see, y'all getting it now. Y'all, y'all, look, y'all a little slow today. Um, I, I saw Pastor Steve last week, and uh, Pastor Steve is a teacher pastor here at the church. He's also over discipleship, so y'all look out. Groups are coming back really soon. I, I saw Pastor Steve and his wife, Kristen, and... Steve is just marveling at his, his son, little Steve, Trey, they're going to call him. And he, he was looking back at him, and he's looking at me, and only in a way that, that Steve can do it and say it. He, Doc, this little man just came out of her. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Doc, I have five of them, man. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. But he's marveling at how this baby was formed and came out. I mean, when you think about birth, the the amazing work of God and how a baby is made and all the intricacies and and how things could happen that you wouldn't want to happen and all this stuff that goes over all throughout the course of nine months. It's amazing. And see, friends, what, what I'm really trying to get across to you is that this Jesus is that same supreme God who has created everything, has the power to destroy it, but yet at the same time is mindful enough to not only create us, but then die for us. See, Jesus, hear me, has not changed. Although the pandemic is going on, he has not changed. He still reigns supreme, which means as a believer, we can have hope and faith in a pandemic instead of worry. Ramon left us off a couple weeks ago in chapter 10, a couple weeks ago, and he was walking through this uh, chapter, and he spoke about Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice. And we, we've talked about this throughout the, the book of Hebrews, uh, but we also talked about this, this, the priest, the high priest, and how the high priest, as he spoke on a couple weeks ago, would go into the temple, and, and he would go to the veil of the holy holies, and, and he would bring a sacrifice for himself and the sins of the people. He, he'd do that once a year. 
But yet what Hebrews chapter 10 and earlier in the verses tells us that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. This means he died once and for all for the sins of the people. There's no more need for a priest to sacrifice. And the veil between God and man, that, that veil that separated man from the holy of holies has been torn apart. This means that through your faith in Jesus, we now all gain access to God. We don't need a priest anymore. So, so, the, so the writer's saying, have confidence. Have confidence and live with hope, not wavering. Family, confidence, as I stated in the beginning, it, 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 give, it forces you to live and walk a bit different. Ain't that right, Mama Roper? It, 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 it forces you to, uh, to kind of keep your your head held high a bit. You, you can walk straight, standing straight up, chest kind of stuck out a little bit because you have confidence. And I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm, I'm talking about confidence here. And some of you may be saying, well, Pastor D, I get what you're talking about, this confidence thing. Yeah, I, I walk it out in my confidence. I'm, I'm confident in myself and what God has gifted me to do and all this other stuff. But I, I need to ask you a question. Do you know how to walk confidently as a Christian? Do you know how to walk confidently as a believer? See, see th there's a thin line between being arrogant and confident. There's a thin line between being cocky and confident. And see, the problem is arrogance won't get you through all of life's storms. It may let you get through some of them, but it won't get you through all of life's storms. And arrogance, it doesn't bring you closer to God. It actually takes you further away from God because when you're working out of your arrogance, you're not trusting God. You're trusting yourself. And I know some of y'all sitting there say, well, Pastor, I ain't arrogant. I'm humble as a bee. That's who I am. I, I'm just humble. I, I, that's me. I, I, I'm humble all the time. But let me ask you, because you may not be the arrogant one, but... You, you might struggle with uh, fear. And see, fear gives you the same outcome as arrogance. Fear doesn't draw you closer to God. It actually uh, pulls you farther away or takes you farther away from God because in your fear, it's the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of believing because you're not trusting in God. You're actually in your feelings. You're trusting in the, your feelings. You're looking at your circumstances. You're overcome. You're not trusting him. And, and I'll go out on a limb with this one in a room this size with people all over the place. There are many of us that are sitting in one of these two places. In this pandemic, you've been sitting in this place of your arrogance. You've been trying to work real hard. I'm just going to keep my day job. I'm actually going to climb the ladder. I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to keep my head straight. Or you've been on the other side and you've been overwhelmed with fear. And both of these places, you end up with the same result and a strange relationship with God. Not closer, but farther away. The people the writer is writing to in this text, they're sitting in these places and, and he, he's trying to get them to understand the confidence they have in Jesus. He says, Jesus has already gone before you. The veil 
that was between man and God has been torn apart. It's gone. Jesus died once and for all. So you no longer have to be dependent on yourself, but you can have confidence in Jesus. As verse 21 says, believers have a great priest who's over the house, not in the house, but over the house, and he's on our side. So the text gives us three exhortations, three exhortations and on how to walk and work out of your confidence in Jesus. Uh, the first exhortation, when you look at verse 22, look at it with me. It says, let us draw near. Now, draw near in the original language, Greek, means to come close. It means to move in closer. Everybody say, come close. It means to come close. It means to go towards or to approach. Verse says, let us draw near with a heart true, a, a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, 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 if you back up a bit, leading up to this verse, as I just walked into it, in verse 21, it says, since we have a great high priest in Jesus and sacrifice once and for all, have confidence. Then verse 22, he says, let us draw near or let us come close with a true heart, not a false heart, not lip service, not just saying I believe, but you really don't believe in your heart. He's saying come with a true heart full of assurance of faith, assurance of faith that comes from not from the work of your hands or what you bring to the table, but from what Jesus did on the cross some 2000 years ago. Assurance of faith. He says, draw near. And have a heart that has been cleansed from an evil conscience. This means that when Jesus died for you and I, when we believed, he cleansed you from the inside out. So although you may look like you used to look, you're no longer the same person. Y'all just missed your amen again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says you're a new creation, creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus looks at your heart. He's not looking at the outer. He, he keeps on going in verse 22 and he says, draw near with bodies washed with pure water. This is a reference to cleansing when, when it says water, just as if you were being baptized. You're being baptized. When you go into the water, you're being buried with Christ in his baptism, which means that all of you and who you were before that is now buried with Christ when he was buried in the grave. And then when you raise out of the water, that's why I say raised with Christ in, in his resurrection. When you raise out of the water, now you're raised in new life. All of that other stuff here, you're now dead to. It's in the water. It's buried. It's the same way. When Christ came out of that grave, y'all, he defeated sin and death. He left that junk in the grave once and for all and he rose to new life. So hear me, therefore, you're not only cleansed when you believe, but you're an altogether new creation when you believe. You're dead to who you used to be. All of that stuff you used to believe about yourself or people used to say about you, all of that stuff is in the grave. It's, it's dead. You are risen to new life. All those false identities, it's left there. Some of y'all missing this. You're no longer labeled as the alcoholic. You're no longer the porn addict. You're no longer the liar. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. 
That identity, that false identity is, is gone. You are raised to walk in newness of life with Christ Jesus so that if you believe, you're now labeled as a son or daughter of the Most High God. That's good news. That's your identity. The writer exhorts believers and says, draw near with a heart full of assurance because of what Christ has done for you. The second exhortation, I got to keep moving. Y'all making me preach too hard. See, the second exhortation, the writer says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He says, let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. What this means is that whatever God promised, it will come to pass. So, some of you may remember back in Hebrews chapter 6 when I was talking about uh, the character of God, the character of God being one that, in which he cannot lie. And so if God promises it and then follows it with an oath where he swears by it, it's one which he cannot lie, which means that it's going to come to, come to pass, Michelle. That, that's what that means. It's going, to, it's going to come to pass. But see, the problem is that we want it to happen when we want it to happen. We want it to happen how we want it to happen, which is why the author here says, hold fast to hope. And I know some of you are saying, well, I don't, I, Pastor Dia, why do I have to hold fast? Why do I have to hold on to hope? Why can't God just give me what I, what I want right now? Why can't it happen right now? Well, let me remind you a bit. Hebrews chapter 6, he talks about Abraham, and we're going to talk about him a little bit next week, but he uses him as an example. In Genesis chapter 12, when God comes to Abraham, he calls Abraham, he makes a promise to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to make uh, the sand on the sea, uh, your, your lineage is going to outnumber the sand on the seashore, and, and you're going to have this line, this amazing line where all these people are going to come through, they're, they're going to be my followers, you're going to be the father. All this stuff he, he declares and promises to Abraham. This Genesis chapter 12, Abraham has to wait 25 years for him to have Isaac, and he gets Isaac, so the promise is fulfilled, but yet part of it's not. He doesn't get to see his name be made great and his, his lineage outnumber the seashore. So you keep reading to Genesis chapter 22. This is 30 years after the birth of Isaac. You do some math, 25 plus 30, that's 50-some years, 55 years that Abraham has been waiting, and now he's at this place where he's about to kill his son Isaac. They've hiked up this hill, and God steps in and says, Abraham, don't you do that. And in that moment, he makes an oath to follow up his promise he gave Isaac, uh, Abraham 50-something years ago. You see, God had to take Abraham through some things to get his faith to the point that he would go to the extent of killing his son, believing, as we'll see next week, that if he killed his son, he believed God so much that he would bring him back to the dead because he gave him a promise. But see, here it is. As I said a few weeks ago, Abraham didn't start out that way. My man doubted God. He sold his wife into slavery not once but two times. He had a baby outside of wedlock. Y'all, he didn't start out as this man full of faith. And all of that was after God gave him the promise. Y'all, God had to let him go through some things so his faith could be proven. Abraham had to wait 50-something years to get the oath 
that sealed the promise of his destiny. But, but, but see, here's the problem for a lot of us Bible thumpers in here. Because you know, as you keep following the life of Abraham, Abraham still didn't get to see his line be made great. He still didn't get to see his lineage outnumber the seashore, the sand on the seashore. He didn't get to see any of that. He actually went to his grave believing it, but didn't get to see it. This is why the writer says, hold fast the confession of hope, because sometimes God has to allow us to go through some things in our life where it looks like God is not working or God is not close to us, but he allows us to go through these things so he can get our faith to the place where we trust him beyond a shadow of a doubt. Hear me, family, you can't see hope. Hope is not something you see, but you can trust the one who is faithful, and it will come to pass. Because hear me, although Abraham didn't get to see his lineage outnumber the sand on the seashore, he didn't get to see all of this stuff come to fruition, you and me who believe are sitting right here, and there are millions on top of millions of people that have believed in the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. So although Abraham didn't get to see it, it did come to pass. Guess what? God is faithful. He's faithful. He is good. The author says, hold on to hope. Jesus is faithful. The author exhorts us last in, in verse 24 and 25. Look at it with me. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, Rekia, this, this exhortation here, this is one that I, I, I believe hits home, Tim. This is one that hits home right here. Because he's saying, don't forsake the church. Don't forsake fellowshipping together. He, he's saying this because some people here during the time had done so. Hear me, family, being a part of a local church, a local fellowship is critical to the believer's life. Essentially, in this exhortation, the writer is saying believers who are not functioning or a functioning part of the local church are living outside the will of God and limiting God's work in their own lives. I know, stepping all up in your kitchen. A true functioning Bible-believing church helps Christians stay out of sin. A true Bible-believing church helps one another when we're down. It bears one another's burdens. Essentially, believers need each other. And see, this hits close to home because we live in a very individualized society. And during this pandemic, we have become more individualized than ever before, living through social media, Amazon. We ain't going to the store no more. Amazon, Instacart, church online. Ooh. And see, I'm not, I'm not sure about y'all. I'm going to be honest with you. I missed y'all a whole bunch during this last year. I missed y'all. We need each other. 
and my kids, during the past month we've been out, they, every week Sunday rolled around. Daddy, you don't have to study? Are we going to renewal tomorrow? It's time to go to church every week. Now, they may not understand the principle that I'm teaching on right here so much, but they do get it. They get this, that, that there's something about being around other brothers and sisters in the faith that is uplifting, that is encouraging. And I know, I know some of y'all saying, Pastor D, I believe I'm all this and that, but I don't really have to go to church. I'm good. It's a pandemic, this and that. And, 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 and I hear you. I love the way Pastor Tony Evans in Dallas says it. Look at this word, these words. He says, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone, but you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. Mm. Basically, he's saying, you go ahead and keep You will soon be burned. Family, the church, the body of believers is a gift. We need each other, and we need to be plugged in and not just coming to church on Sunday morning and filling a seat or just jumping online. Oh, I ain't going to make it today. I'm going to just sit at home in my pajamas. We, we need to jump in. That means that some of us, I'm all up in your kitchen with this. I know. We need to start serving. Some of you have the gift of singing or playing an instrument. You're better than anybody on our media team and, and, and videography, all of that stuff, but yet you ain't served one Sunday. And may, maybe you don't have those giftings, but everybody in here can lift up a chair. If DJ can do it, I'm pretty sure you can do it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe as we're thinking about getting our kids' ministry back together, maybe, maybe you need to just go ahead and jump into that and serve with our kids. Or I'm really going to step into your house with this one. Some of you need to begin giving up your finances. COVID has you all up in your own treasures. You got 500 rolls of toilet paper in your house, milk. I don't understand those two things. Somebody got to explain it to me. But we're all wrapped up in our own treasures, buying what we need. You looking GQ for nobody in your house. And see, the same church that has been pouring into you, the same church where you've been encouraged throughout the past year, the same body of believers is not able to do all the things that they want to do because we're no longer giving. Hear me, family. I, 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 many of us do give, but many of us don't. And I don't know about you all. I'm going to be honest with you. I know we're young, but there's hundreds of people that call this place home, and, and I'm ready to get our own building. I hear some clapping. I'm ready to not, I don't want to rent anymore. 
I'm ready to be a place where we can have our doors open and 24-7 people can come in and get what they need and be poured into. Bible studies can be happening. Coffee and meetings and all of this is happening all day long. We can have our own little daycare. I'm trying to see all of that happening in our church. I'm trying to be a church where we can raise up missionaries and send them out all over the globe and raise up pastors and pour into them, plant churches, do all of these things and more. But hear me, family, none of this happens if we don't. Don't give. And I'm, I'm even personally, I get convicted by this. When I read through the book of Acts and I look at Acts chapter 2 and I see the early church, they gave of everything they had. That's what the church did. There was not one poor person and there was not a need that wasn't met in the church or outside the church because they became the church. And guess what? The numbers grew by thousands on top of thousands on top of thousands. And that's why we're here today because they gave. And so some of you have been given above and beyond. Thank you. Keep going. We're not out of the woods yet in this pandemic, and there's more work to do even after this. But some of us, we need to start. We need to trust God with our finances. But then some of us, if we're honest, you're, you're here today or you're online, and you need the church in a different way. You, you, you need the church to be a place where you can be honest, a place where you can be accepted. Some of us are going through some things right now in here, and nobody knows about it. Can I, can I help you with that? That's what the church is for. That's what the body is for. Let me step in a little bit closer because I, I don't know if you're hearing me. Some of us, we've been sitting at our computers all day long and we have developed a porn habit. Some of us are struggling being celibate in our single lives. And you're sitting back and you're thinking, I'm the only one going through this. I can't tell any, anybody about this. And, and the reality is that you're not by yourself. There are other people here that are struggling well, that are, that are walking that same walk, that can walk alongside you. There's some of you in here that are having identity struggles. You're believing lies. They're just, they're just filling up your head and your heart, and you're sitting in them, and nobody knows about it. Some of you are in a place where your marriage is on the rocks. And you've sought no counseling. Nobody knows. Some of you are in a financial crisis. You're having a really tough time with your finances. And as a church, we've given away thousands of dollars throughout the last year to help people in this COVID pandemic period. But yet we have no idea about you and you're sitting here. Family. That's what the church is for. That's what this is for. It's not just to hear a great sermon or great worship. That's what the church is for. Do not neglect the body of believers. That's what the author is trying to say. 
He gives us three exhortations. Let me give them to you again. To draw near with a true heart, to hold fast to the confession of hope, and to to stir one another in love and good works are what keeps us going. It keeps our confidence in Jesus steady. But the question that lingers after all of this, and some of you may be thinking it already, why in the world, Pastor D, should I do all of this? And here's the answer. The author says it. So you don't shrink back. So you don't go backwards. Look back at the text with me, verses 26 to 31. I'm going to keep moving so I can get you out of here. The author basically says, if we go on with this knowledge of truth and we continue to live in sin, then basically the sacrifice Jesus made means nothing and all that awaits is judgment. He says the punishment for someone who knows the truth and doesn't live by it is far worse than the person who doesn't know the truth because the person that knows the truth and refuses to live according to it is now taking advantage of God's grace. Y'all hear me? God is a jealous God. He doesn't like anything or anyone placed before him in worship. He is the only one worthy of worship. The writer, he quotes Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30. uh, He says, and vengeance is mine and I will repay. Verse 31, he ends this part and he says, it is a fearful place to fall in the hands of the living God. Now, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I do not believe that the writer is saying all of this to scare the reader. Because if you keep reading, that's not the way he ends the chapter. But he is trying to get the reader's attention. And I believe he's gotten our attention too. There are some of us here in this church that need to do a heart check. If if Jesus walked into your house and he ripped open your chest and he started examining your heart, would he see a true heart of faith or would he see a counterfeit? Some of us, we need to do a heart checkup. We need to examine ourselves. You maybe need to ask your spouse or somebody close to you, how am I doing? What do you you see when you look at me? Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I I just went to the doctor this week and I had a physical. I ain't like what the doctor said, which means I got to start making some changes. Y'all might be like, man, Pastor D look like Casper. I can't even see him on the stage. I I hear him, but I I can't see him. He's so skinny. I mean, it's the same thing with our spiritual walks, y'all. We got to do some, we got we to have a checkup. You know, coming out of the summer, which we look forward to so much, it's time to have a checkup. Some of you need to turn back to God. And some of us in here need to accept the love and grace of a loving Savior for the first time. How's your heart this morning? How's your heart, family? Where are you? Now, as we get ready to head home, the writer ends in verse 32 through 39, and he's essentially saying, remember when you came to know Jesus, you would take all types of ridiculing, and and you went through some struggles. You had compassion on those who were in prison. You even lost property, but you didn't care. Verse 34, you knew you had a better possession and had an abiding one in Jesus. That's why he didn't care. 
Some of us can understand this. We remember this. Y'all remember? I remember when I first came to Jesus, man. When I was started walking with Jesus, man, you, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was in my Bible all day long. I'm flipping through the pages. I got my commentary over here, and I'm studying the Bible. Concordance over here, and I'm reading it. Hours on top of hours, leading Bible studies, just pouring out what I had. I, I only listened to Christian music. I, had to, I actually cut up all my rap CDs. I had a nice collection. Threw them all away. It, you can call it legalistic, whatever you want to say, but all I really wanted at the moment was Jesus. I didn't want nothing else. Family thought I was crazy. I'm sharing my faith all the time, raising money to go on mission trips. All I wanted to do was share the love of Christ with people who did not know him. Yeah, some of y'all remember that. It's super zealous for Jesus. But see, what happens is, family, as you grow to know God more, you, you begin to see how depraved you actually are in the midst of his holiness. And then what happens as a result, you're going up the spectrum and then you just kind of plateau. Your, your spiritual life starts to feel stagnant because instead of seeing the magnitude of what Jesus has done on your behalf, you're now noticing your sin. You're noticing how holy God is and how sinful I am. And you start to believe lies. I ain't never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough for Jesus. I, I might as well just do what I, I was doing before. I'm going to go ahead about my business and Jesus will get with me when he's ready. You may not say these things out loud, but your life reeks of it. Look at this diagram with me. In the diagram, you notice that the cross is not growing. When you come to know Jesus, you're on fire. You're, you're super zealous for the Lord. You, you're doing things that the author is saying you can't imagine. As I just explained, you're doing all these things for Jesus. But eventually, you start to see your sin in the midst of his holiness. And the cross that was once big at the beginning of your conversion now stays the same throughout your walk with Jesus because all you see is how holy he is and how holy you're not. And you start to become stagnant in your walk and living in the lies of your sin. And many of us are in that place right now. We're stagnant. Feels like we're not moving and, and God is not with us and, 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 our, and our life is not going forward. And, and what I used to feel with Jesus is not the same. Hear me, the author here in this text is trying to remind us of who Jesus is. Look at this other diagram. You, you, you see the cross is centered in the life now. You see how it continues to get bigger. You see how it grows larger. You've heard me to say, say this over and over again, but coming to Jesus is not a one-stop shop. You don't come to Jesus and just believe and that's it. Now you can go on about your merry way. No, you come to him and you believe. And then it's an everyday after moment after moment exercise where you believe by faith from faith to faith over and over again. And when you do this, you no longer see your sin anymore, but you see the cross made big in your life over and over again. How he kept you from this thing and how he took you here, how you could have been here, but he saved you. You see the grace of a good good father it's believing every day by faith the sinfulness but instead you see the one who has died for you and gone before you you remember 
I don't have to be all I want to be and all, all that I, I, I'm supposed to be and, and live up to this holy standard of God. Thank you, Jesus, because he died for you. So in essence, hear me, when we sin and when we mess up, there is grace. That's good news. See, when the cross is made big in your life, when, when, when Jesus is made big in your life and what he's done, you can, you can walk with your head held high. You can stand up straight and have your chest stuck out. And you can walk confident, not in yourself, but in Jesus who did all the work and paid it on Calvary. Be confident, my friends. That's what the author is trying to say to us. So hear me. Don't shrink back. have confidence don't live in the lie of your sin believing you will never be better than you are right now don't live in the lie of an arrogant saying I gotta do it all through my own strength you don't have to because Jesus has already gone before you you have a great high priest who is on your side so hear me family once more be confident be confident in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. You're so good. Even when we get off, Lord, you still make a way out of no way. You loved us when we were unlovable, God. You love us now, even when we get off track. God, thank you that we don't have to be confident in who we are because we're flawed and we mess up over and over again, but we can be confident in a perfect Savior. Thank you for doing all you have done for us, Jesus. And to the one that's walking in here and saying that that's me, I'm messed up, I'm all over the place. God, would you just extend your grace and shower them with the love that you showered us once before. That they, that they would know that they're still cloaked in your grace. You haven't left them, that you're there. Remind us of your goodness, Jesus. And let us walk confidently in who you are. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.